And so today, uh, man, we're at a uh, middle of a series, and we're going to take a break today. And we brought in some dear, dear friends of ours yeah. uh, from Seattle, Washington. Ooh, right? you guys are Seattle. in for a treat right. today. And uh, from Bellevue. And uh, I want you to know, you can trust our friends. Yeah. They are amazing pastors, yes. amazing church planners. Yeah. What God is doing in their life is incredible. And so we are so excited yes. to have the Jivas here with us uh, this morning. And so, y'all, uh, anything else, right? I'm just so excited, All you right. guys. Seriously, open up your hearts, yeah. open your minds, because God's got a good word for us. Okay. And we are thrilled to have you so here let's today. Give an Avenue Church welcome Come to Deepin and Amrita. Yes. Come on. Well, we are so honored to be here. What a wonderful worship service already. My my name and Amrita's name, well, I just said it, but we are Pradeepin and Amrita Jivamanohar and Sivaretnam. So nice to meet you. We kind of feel like family already. So uh, you can just call us Pradeepin and Amritha for short, okay? Yes. How's that sound? Yes, yes. Good luck. Well, we can help you if you need it, okay? Well, we come all the way from Seattle, Washington. And we're so glad to be in the sunshine. Listen, we hung out with your staff last night, and we told them that we have not seen the sun. Our temperature has not gone to 70 for six months. So this sunshine is just like fueling us, isn't it, babe? It's we just love so the good. desert sun. We do. It's amazing. We're it's amazing. fueled by it. Well, we just want to introduce you to our family really quick. We have two children. We have a seven-year-old little boy and a four-year-old daughter. There they are in Seattle, right among the cherry blossoms. And we're just so glad to be with you. We are fellow church planters. And if you know something about church planters, we are crazy people, okay? Like we are, we connect with your pastors because we are all just kind of crazy. We want to do something amazing for for the kingdom of God, right? And we're so thankful to be with you. We're honored, pastors, that uh, you've allowed us to come and minister to your church. You guys know how incredible your pastors are. Can you give it up for them? I know you love them. I know you know them so much and love them. So, yes. You know, we planted in 2017, just like this church. That's when we started. And I, I want to show you an email we received two days before our very first service. And so this is an email from Pastor Jeremy. Hey, praying for an amazing launch this Sunday. The best is yet come to come. On. And so, yeah. oh, amazing. This community has been encouraging and supporting us literally before yeah. day one. And so we just feel like the love and the beauty of Avenue church and believe God is doing incredible things through all of yeah. you. And yeah. so we, again, can't emphasize enough that we are so uh, encouraged and honored to be here this morning. Amen. 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 Well, I, I want to ask you a question. Who's ready to get into the word of God this yeah. morning? Love it, love it, love it, love it. Well, I love this series about being relational. I am relational. And I think one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever performed was having 12 close friends in his 30s. Can I get an amen? And so we want to continue in this vein of being relational. And we want to talk about how the power of stability helps us in our ability to grow in healthy, thriving relationships. In the scriptures in John 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted, everybody say planted. planted. 
planted. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And there's a spiritual principle here, I believe. In order for a seed to grow, it's got to be planted. Everybody say planted. Planted. In order for a seed to grow, it needs to be planted. And so we believe seeds need soil. Babies need wombs. Avocado needs toast. Uh, And the people of God need to be planted in the house of the Lord if they want to relationally flourish. That's good. Yeah, so Psalm 92 says this. It shares what happens when we are planted in the house of the Lord. It says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You know, there was a time in my life where I almost missed the opportunity to be planted in the house of the Lord and flourish. And I want to tell you about that time, actually, because I met Pastor Pradeepan in Colorado Springs about 15 years ago. I was at church, and I saw this brown, handsome, tall, I mean, just the curly, do you see this curly hair? Who can resist? I'm just a vessel. Who can resist? I'm just a vessel. Who can resist? Okay, so our, our we decided we were going to start um, leading a small group together. And how many you know, you can fall in love when you lead a small group together. We started falling in love during that time. Well, kind of like we became friends, and we were just flirting for like a year. But this guy would not make a move. He would not make a move. I was dating Jesus. <laughs> okay. And so I was just, I was in this place where I was like, I really like this guy. I think he likes me, but he's not making a move. So I decided one day that I was going to get clarity, okay? And so in my car, in a Starbucks parking lot, in one evening, one Sunday afternoon, we're sitting in my car, and I got up the courage, you guys. And I looked at Pradeepin, and I just said, hey, you know, I don't want this to be weird or anything, but like, um, do you like me? And I mean the long, miserable pause that there was in that moment. And he looked over at me and he said, uh, like a girlfriend? Like, do I like you like a girlfriend? And I'm dying inside. Like, I'm like, ah! Like, what do I even do? And so sure enough, he just like is looking at me. Everything is super awkward. And then another long pause. And Pradeepan looks at me and he said, no. And you guys, I was heartbroken. But I kept it together. I was like, hey, it's cool. Like, it's fine. Like, let's just be friends. You know, we're, like, I don't want anything to get weird. We're good friends. You know what I mean? And so sure enough, you guys, I go home to my apartment. I'm crying. I call my sister. And I'm just like, oh, he doesn't like me. I must have read everything wrong all these last, this whole last year. And sure enough, I decided, you guys, I'm leaving Colorado. I made a vision board for my life. And I was like, I am out of here. I'm not spending another second on this boy who I liked, who I thought liked me me back. And so I was going to leave and not stay rooted or planted where God had me. Before you hate me, (laughs) okay, (laughs) I was planning to ask her to be my girlfriend. I had my 
friends helping me what I called Operation Girlfriend. And I had this extravagant date planned, and I didn't want our relationship to start in the parking lot of a Starbucks. And so when she asked me, I lied right to her face. I said, I don't like you. I don't want to be with you. Yeah, you know, the, our church is still split on if Pradeep did the right thing or not. How many of you think it was a good idea for him to lie to me? Okay, babe, you're not getting a Thank lot of support. How, Thank many of you, you. how many of you are, are like me? You're like, tell her the truth, okay. man. She put her heart out there. You know, so but. I, I, I saw that I was losing her. She was about to leave, and I was like, I have this date. I want her to be my girlfriend. I can see myself marrying her. And so I, I said, hey, I, f- I feel like you're, you're growing distant from me every time. Can you, can you come with me to Burger King? <laughs> the great healer of all relationships, yeah, yeah, Burger yeah. King. And so we went to the king. And I, I, I'm not exaggerating. This is going to make me sound like a nerd. But I pulled out my computer laptop, and I had a PowerPoint presentation for her. Slide one. Do you feel rejected? This is not a joke. I this mean, actually we're happened. We're talking clip art and barn door transitions. Slide two. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> I would like us to be friends. And and so uh, she decided, though, to stay uh, planted in the community. She didn't move. And now, like, 15 years later, I've planted two children in her. And and (laughs) we've planted a church together. And she decided to stay. Glory to God. And so the king of kings worked through the Burger King. And we were able to stay planted in our church community, and our relationship was able to flourish. Yeah, amen, amen. And that, that's the truth. Had I not been obedient to God, even when the boy I thought I liked or whatever went kind of wrong in my life, staying planted, staying obedient, staying even in the church, staying in the city that I was not loving actually brought about a flourishing in my life that changed my life forever. And so, love it, love it, love it. So, thanks for marrying me, honey. (laughs) You know, um, there's this symbol that's kind of gripped to us. And it's trees going through something called transplant shock. You know, when a a tree is growing in the soil and you take it out and you put it in a potted plant or another field, it goes through something called transplant shock. It loses its root system, and because of that, it can't absorb water, which it needs to live and thrive. It begins to wilt and dry up. It can't absorb nutrients anymore. And it says, like, when I've been reading about this, it takes about three years for the roots to restabilize and for it to be rooted in this new environment before it can flourish together, before it can thrive and produce healthy fruit again. And it's this whole idea of transplant shock and the ability and the need to reestablish roots. Yeah. So I want to ask you this morning, how many of you sitting right here in the audience, how many of you did not grow up in Las Vegas? Wow, there are so many of you who have gone through transition, who have uprooted and had to reroute yourselves, right? And there is truly this, I think, if, if transplant shock can happen to trees, what happens to us? 
What happens for us in those moments? And I know maybe some of you transitioned years ago. Maybe some of you, like you moved here last week or you moved here yesterday. So you're in the, like you are hearing some of this like transplant shock, shock language and you're like, that is what is happening to me, right? And we live, I think, in a transient society. We live where we don't like to stay in one place. We have a hard time staying in one place. I mean, let's be real. Some of us don't even like committing to a party, let alone staying in the same place, right? I know some of you like are like, I mean, maybe who's going to be there? Then maybe I'll come, you know? And in our lives, we do. We move for better job opportunities. We move because we got a divorce. We move because we had a relational issue. We move just for better scenery. We move because we want to go to a different church. We have all of these reasons that we don't stay planted, that we like to uproot and leave. And at the same time, we can't be shocked when we feel alone, when we feel like we lack purpose, when we feel like, man, I don't have a deep connection to anywhere. And you feel like you need that deep a connection. So the scripture here is talking about this problem that unless a seed is planted, everybody say planted, unless a seed is planted, it won't produce fruit. And the truth is, I'll be honest, some of us, you know, maybe you moved because you got a job or like Pastor Pradeepan and I, we moved because God told us to move to Seattle, Washington. We're Midwest people. So this was a big transplant shock, right? And sometimes it's not in our really control. We are, are being obedient to the Lord or getting a new job and being transferred. But there are some of us who struggle with what comes along with permanence. And you know what comes along with permanent permanence? It means that we have to get past that point where we feel uncomfortable with people until we feel comfortable. It feels that we have to be, it means we have to be vulnerable with each other. It means we got to live some life together so that if I make a mistake, you'd stick around long enough to forgive me. It means that when I begin to uh, just be planted, we have to realize that it takes work. It takes work to be planted. We have a good friend. His name is Daniel Grothy, and he wrote a powerful book called The Power of Place. The Power of Place. And I want to read you a quote from his book. It says this, we move because we have not committed to a people in a particular place that is worth dying for and dying within. We have prized duty-free friendships and memberships over obligatory ones simply because they are cheaper and require less of us. When relationships are inevitably strained, we find no need to do the hard and often soul-wrenching work to repair them because we will surely be gone in a couple of years. He goes on to say what happens to us psychologically uh, in this quote. It says this, Moving is associated with lower levels of overall well-being, higher stress levels, the fewer positive social relationships. Frequent moves have a particularly detrimental effect for adolescents who've been shown to have lower test scores and graduation rates, fewer friends, and higher drug and alcohol use. We know that children who move frequently are more likely to perform poorly in schools and have more behavioral problems. I mean, we have to look at this so carefully. There's a reason why there's a spiritual principle in this scripture. So not having a permanent place, it takes a toll on us. And we believe today that God has something to say about that. 
powerful. And so one of the first things we want to share from a theological perspective is this. One of the first gifts God gave humanity was a place. And one of the first curses on humanity was placelessness. And so we remember Adam and Eve, they're given a garden to cultivate, to steward, and then they ate the forbidden fruit, they rebelled from God, they participated in sin, and what was the result of that? The curse of being kicked out of the garden, experiencing placelessness. When the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt, what did God promise them as a promise of hope? I'm going to give you a promised land. And so even in the New Testament with Jesus, he says, hey, I've prepared a place for you. My father's house that has so many rooms for you. I mean, even this theology, it got into my system as a new Christian. I became a Christian in the late 90s. And in the church, Maybe you've heard this song, probably you haven't, but we used to sing a song, come and follow me to my father's house, come and follow me to my father's house, it's a big, big, <laughs> just kidding, <laughs> and so we used to, anybody know that song? <laughs> Thank you, my people, <laughs> and so the power of place is, it's, threaded in our humanity and our existence throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, our promise of eternal life. God has prepared a place for us, but in our culture, we don't think places are especially important. We can move, we can transfer, we can ghost friends and just start fresh, start over. I mean, there's a, there's even a song that was popular like two years, I've got no roots, but my, you know, that song. It's like, we celebrate this idea of not being rooted. And so the fact is, though, scripture shows us that God created places before he created people. This is important. God created places before he created people. And if you don't think places are important, ask a refugee family. You know, my, my family is from Sri Lanka, this tropical island nation right below India. And uh, believe it or not, Pradeep and Jumanohar and Sivaratnam is not like a Swedish name. I'm actually from Sri Lanka. And in the late 70s, early 80s, my family lived through tragic civil war casualties, tens of thousands of people dying all around them. And they, were, they had to escape to fight for their lives, to escape all this danger. And thankfully, they were giving political asylum and refugee status so that they could escape from all this pain. They got on a plane, and they moved from tropical island paradise in Sri Lanka to Minnesota in the wintertime. And as you can imagine, that was pretty intense. They didn't speak English very well. They were practicing Hindus at the time. They couldn't find a temple to worship at. Their job experience and education suddenly didn't count, and they had to start over in this new land mixed in with their trauma experience of war. This was before I was born, but my mom, my dad, and my sister, they decided, we can't deal with this. We're going to end our lives, and so we're going to jump off a bridge together. My dad went to downtown Minneapolis and sat on a bench. He's thinking through the plan. And the pastor saw my dad, saw the body language wasn't right. And he said, I'm not just going to walk by this person. I'm going to sit with him. And so he talked with my dad. My dad shared the plan. And the pastor said, you know what? You don't have to do this. 
You don't have to do this. In fact, why don't I give you a place to live? And so they brought my mom, my dad, my sister to live in their trailer home with their three sons, this couple. And so my family experienced the love of Christian hospitality. They heard the gospel, and they went from wanting to end their lives, but because they're given a place through loving Christians, they decided we're optimistic for the future. Why don't we create a new life? And that's when they decided to conceive me in that trailer home. Can we praise the Lord for my conception? Amen. Amen. Don't ask me how I know that's when I was conceived. But I know it happened, and I'm thankful. But this instability was replaced with stability, and it created the grounds for new life, a new relationship, my whole existence to be manifested. And so I'm so thankful that my family had a place. And so if you have been without place, I want to let you know you need one. It's important for you to grow life and to thrive, especially in your relationships. Yes, amen, amen. The second thought that we have for you today is that you grow up as your roots grow down. You grow up as your roots grow down. You know, one of the best things that we have done as a family is planted roots in the same place in our city and in our local church, okay? And I know you're like, well, you're pastors, you have to say that. Well, I'm telling you, we have chosen to live this out. We have actually been very vulnerable so that we could grow up. We have gone through stuff with our people and our friends that isn't always perfect so that we could grow up and our roots could grow down. You know, we needed people in our lives that even in our failures and our weaknesses, even as pastors who mess up sometimes, right? We needed people who would be stick around us, people who would be planted in the house of the Lord together. And as we began to do that as a community, as a church plant, the longer we're there, the more we live together, the more we begin to accept each other for our failures and our successes, the more we put our roots down, the more we grew up. Our maturity grew, we grew, we began to become stronger people. You know, we have a little boy, our little boy who you just saw the picture of uh, a second ago, he's seven years old, and unfortunately, our little boy has uh, severe developmental disabilities, and he is, uh, he, he, he's not able to have a conversation with you. He has only a few words that he's able to speak cognitively as a seven-year-old. He's probably cognitively at the level of a two-year-old, and this this is like being a special needs family is like a whole thing. Maybe you're out there and you can resonate with what I'm saying as well. But do you know what? It, repetition is something that our son thrives on. And from the beginning, we decided we are going to take him to church every single Sunday. And do you know that out of the few words that our son has, one of them is church. One of them is church. And he knows when it's Sunday. And if he doesn't go to church because he's sick or something, he goes, church, 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 church. Because he wants to go to church. Because even a little boy with cognitive developmental disabilities, when he is planted in the house of the Lord, he can flourish. Amen? So we believe. 
believe that this is what it means to flourish. Psalm 92 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will still stay fresh and green. You know, this scripture talks about another tree, talks about the, the cedar trees of Lebanon. And did you know that these trees were known for their strength? They were known for their durability and they were known for their beauty. They actually provide a lot of shade and they, uh, they do this. And I want to tell you that like this tree, when we're planted, we begin to experience, when our roots grow deep and we grow up, we begin to experience durability. We begin to experience life. We begin to experience strength in areas of our lives that don't feel very strong, right? And so as we look at this, we've talked about this and we're like, where there are roots, there are fruits, right? Where there are roots, there are fruits. And this is kind of what begins to happen. And I want to ask you this morning, what would it look like for you or for your family to be planted? What would it look like for you to be planted in the house of the Lord? What does that look like? You know, at our church, we have begun to see people who have chosen, even in the hardest of times, to be planted. We've seen marriages that were on the brink of divorce. They just stuck around among people who would gather around this couple that is struggling so deeply. And sure enough, there began, the Spirit of God begins to do a healing work when you're planted and you're flourished. We begin to see single moms in our community, uh, single moms and dads come around, be planted be able to feel like, you know, I'm not alone in raising these kids. I'm not alone in what it means to help my children grow in the Lord. I mean, we have seen people who have been so hurt by the church. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been so terribly hurt or you've had burnout at church. And can I tell you that we have seen in our church and we see all the time people who have significant, profound church hurt who come and plant themselves. They give church another chance. They plant themselves in the house of the Lord. And you know what? The church didn't just become the place that hurt them. It became the place that healed them right? When we get planted in the house of the Lord. I want to give you one more example. We have a mother who lost her 13-year-old son to cancer a few years ago. And she is a woman who, man, that kind of grief, when you go through that kind of loss, she said, I didn't want to believe in God anymore, but I didn't want to live without him. I mean, this was already bad. I didn't want it to get worse. And do you know that a mother who loses her son and has to go through that tragedy when you're planted in the house of the Lord, you can have a life that flourishes. Even when you lose a son, even when you've gone through some of the greatest grief and pain of your life, she planted herself in the house of the Lord. And you know what? We rejoice over the life of her son. We rejoice. We all begin to move together. When our roots grow deep, we begin to grow up and flourish, right? You don't just reap what you sow. You reap where you sow. You reap where you sow. And I believe that that is a true principle. I want to tell you, I know it can be hard to stay within a community. I know it can be hard, but we want to tell you this morning, don't give up. 
Hang in there, you know, because we believe that you will grow up. You will flourish. There are benefits to being planted, finding permanency and place that are going to be really, really incredible for your life, for your life. Um, I actually was, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. I was born in the nation of India. Anybody know where India is? So I was born, okay, we got, we got one person in this audience who knows where India is. <laughs> so I was born in the nation of India. And on the first day that I was born, I was abandoned and left at the doorstep of a Christian missionary woman. No, um, no, no. Uh, understanding or anything about what happened with my biological family or my past. I have no information about that. But this woman took me in and she actually placed me for adoption uh, with a family that is from Kansas. And I'm from Kansas and I tell people all the time, you know, I might be brown on the outside, but I'm all Kansas on the inside. You know, I can make a spicy curry on Saturday and I can make a tater tot casserole on Sunday. Okay? Come on, Midwest. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's just how it is. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that at, as, as a four-year-old, with before my four years of my birthday, I had moved three different times. I had been put in different environments with different uh, mother and father figures three different times. And can I tell you that when children go through transplant shock in developmental early years of their life, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. And here's what happened. What happens for children is that we begin to have to deal with attachment breaks, breaks of attachment with our father or our mother. We have to deal with the fact that neurologically, it actually affects our brains to be pulled away from certain people that we're attached to. And our neuro a neurological brain is rewired. And so I, as we do this, I realize that even in my life, I had to deal with the lack of permanency and stability in my early years. Well, when I was adopted with the only mom and dad that I've ever known in Kansas, they actually moved us into a house and I lived there from age four to 17. And it was the first time in my life that I experienced stability and per permanence. And I want to tell you, listen, it, when I say that our roots go deep and we grow up, it's because in that place, the Holy Spirit of God began to touch and heal my soul. I was not a person that has to live with abandonment issues for the rest of my my life. When you begin to flourish, those, those neurons in your mind, the Holy Spirit, supernatural power of God in the place of flourishing begins to connect to Jesus. And I am a healed and whole person today because when you plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you begin to flourish, you grow up. Can I get a good amen? Amen. I'm a living example of what it means to grow up as our roots grow down. And I believe that that can be the same for you as well. Amen. Amen. And so we just believe that being planted is so important. And we're not saying, like, stay in an abusive situation right. or right. something like that. But I, I think in our default, we just like to run away. Yeah. We like to ghost people because it, it stresses us out. You know, uh, I, I remember thinking I was a really good Christian before I got married. <laughs> Anybody feel that way? And you're like, oh, I'm selfish. I'm really sloppy. It was awesome to have this idea of being the perfect husband before I had to be in a relationship. And then I actually had to practice it and stay. I thought I was a good person before we had kids. And I was like, oh, I'm really a bad person. <laughs> and I have to, I really have to grow up 
And so I, I believe that being planted, this ministry, this idea that God has for us is important for our own spiritual maturity and our growth and learning how to forgive, how to be patient, how to love, how to sharpen one another. And so we just want to share this whole idea that point number three, we believe that Jesus is making room for you to flourish. Will you make room for him to do what he wants to do? In Psalm 68, 6, one of our favorite scriptures says, God places the lonely in families. And he has an active ministry of placing you into a spiritual community, into a spiritual family. And we believe here at Avenue, we don't just want to be a friendly church, but a church of friends, a church of people who have each other's backs, that we're relational and we're not just polite smiles and just shallow conversations. But I know your ugly struggles. I know your shame. I know the times you make a mistake. I have the opportunity to ask for forgiveness when I've been bad to you. And you just don't run away forever. Because God is actively placing us in his table, in his family. He's placing the lonely in families. And I, I, I don't know, if you're dealing with loneliness, if you feel like you have no friends, it's hard to have deep conversations if you aren't willing to stick around through the shallow conversations and grow together with the people around you. I know a lot of us like to church shop, and I know we haven't met many of you. And I remember writing this Instagram post about people who choose to church shop forever. I'll go to this church for one month, and then I'll move on when I don't like this because that church wasn't perfect. And I know that if there was a perfect church out there, as soon as I stepped into it, it it wouldn't be perfect anymore. And so it's like looking for the perfect church is very difficult because it doesn't exist. I mean, I love a church that isn't like a antique for perfect people. It's not a museum for perfect people, but it's a hospital for broken people. And so uh, I, I just wrote this kind of like sarcastically, but maybe you'll resonate with it. Here's seven reasons to church shop forever. Number one, you never move past small talk and repeat conversations over and over. <laughs> Number two, you meet lots of people without anybody knowing the real you. That's why we should just move on from community to community. Number three, nobody holds you accountable and helps you grow. You can be however you want to be. You don't have to work on your character. Number four, people serve you as a consumer, yet you don't have to serve at all. Number five, you don't have to forgive and reconcile relationships because you'll just get new ones in a month. Number six, nobody knows you've abandoned tithing and financial generosity. This is the loophole from financial generosity. If you just church out forever, you never have to trust the Lord with your finances. <laughs> Number seven, people won't trust you enough to ask you for help. Because if you've only been around a couple of weeks, nobody has to be loved by you. Nobody has to trust you and nobody knows that you can be someone they can depend on. But I don't think that's our heart, is it? We want to be a place where we can love each other, help each other, grow each other, help people when they're struggling. But if you're not, long, you're not around long enough, nobody knows that they can depend on you. And so I, I believe that we're called to be planted. We're called to grow together. We're called to partner with Jesus in this ministry of having the lonely placed in families. You know, with this whole idea of trees. Uh, we want to end with this whole illustration. You know, I actually shared this in 
Vegas in 2017, the week before we planted. I want to share it again because it's so encouraging. The tallest trees in the world are the redwood trees, and they can grow past 300 feet in the sky. Has anybody ever been there? I mean, beautiful. We drove our car through the inside of a redwood tree, and so they grow hundreds of feet in the sky, but here's the crazy thing. You never see a redwood tree grow alone. They're always in groves, they're always in packs, they're always together. And here's the principle, for every foot a redwood tree grows up so high, their root systems grow two feet wide and they intermix and they mingle with the other redwood trees. The only reason they can grow so high is because they grow together. So when a storm comes, it doesn't just hit one tree, it hits all of the trees. When a fire comes, it has to take on the whole grove. When a pestilence comes, it doesn't have to fight for itself in loneliness. It has a whole grove saying, I'm going to stand with you. And in the same way as the church, when one of us struggles, all of us struggle. When one of us has a success, all of us succeeds. And it's through that strength we grow better together. And so if you're alone and you're trying to live this life alone, I, I believe that there's better for you. You don't have to be lonely. You can have the strength in numbers that being planted in a place offers us. And so would you allow yourself to flourish in the house of God? We just want to invite you this morning to really think and to pray about what it would mean for you to be planted, to invest in the place of place of being able to value what it means. Would you do that for your children? Would you pray about that for your family? What would it look like for your family to flourish in the house of the Lord? Amen. And so we want to pray over all of us today as we close. And uh, I, I just want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. But if you're here and you're saying, this message really resonates with me. There's something pulling up heart. Maybe I've... I've struggled with being stable. I've struggled with being planted. And you're saying, I, I feel like the Lord is wanting me to put my roots down. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? And if that's you, would you just raise your hand and you feel challenged to be able to see hands up all over the place here? You're saying, I, I feel called to just invest in a community and let people love me and be someone where people can be loved by me as well. Thank you for being so honest. Now I want to ask another question. I realize that people came here today because you're wanting to connect with God. And maybe you're, you're struggling with starting a relationship with God. Maybe you're needing a fresh start. And I, I want you to know God wants to be stable in your life. He wants to bring you to a family. He wants to bring you hope and freedom and salvation. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, I need God in my life. I need the stability of the presence of God. I need forgiveness and a fresh start. I need security in God. And you're saying, I want to give my life to him. If that's you, I would love to include you in a prayer of salvation for those of us who are saying, I want to give my life to God. So if that's you, I'd love to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything like that, but on the count of three, if you're saying, I want to give my life to God, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Amen. I see one hand, two hands, three hands, four hands, five hands, six hands, seven hands, eight hands. Amen. Beautiful. I saw eight hands. Is there anybody else that I missed? Just raise it so I can see it. And we'd love to just pray together. Nine hands. Beautiful. I see you. 
Thank you, 10 hands, I see your hand, amen. And so why don't we pray a prayer of surrender and salvation right now? Would you just repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give you my life. Would you please forgive me? Would you please lead me? I will follow you all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause?